Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast, and this is our Thursday edition of the Daily Pod Extravaganza. Thank you so much for joining us. I am John Schofield. Joining me today will be our special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, Bill Wagner. And Chris Cervello is, as always, running the board and playing old man radio. Uh, Today, we are going to be joined by women's assistant tennis coach, Alessandra Pedernyanya. Um, she is going to talk about, you know, how she and Keith for 14 years have been running this women's program and the progress that they've made and also her uh, special memories and thoughts about Saturday's big game against Army War. And by the way, we just won a national title. Um, Murph McCarthy and the women's uh, rugby team went down to North Carolina and beat Davenport University, who is a very highly ranked and very good uh, program, uh, beat them in the national title game and uh, brought home the title. So we're going to talk to Murph about that. And then as we go out, um, we are going to talk to Brian Broadwater, uh, who was the quarterback on teams from 99, 98 uh, to 01, was a member of the class of 01. Um, he was friends, classmates, and teammates uh, with Brian Bourgeois. Um, number 13, member of the Brotherhood and the commanding officer of SEAL Team 8, uh, where um, if you did not hear this past Tuesday after a training accident down uh, in uh, right outside of Little Creek on Saturday, uh, Brian lost his life after sustaining injuries in a training accident. Um, and we're going to hear from Brian Broadwater about that. Um what was happening this week? Um, so, you know, very quiet week during, during army Navy week. And we've been able to bring you a lot of good updates, um, about, uh, what is going on. Uh, but one thing that did happen is the very red hot Navy basketball team, uh, went into Fairfax, Virginia to take on a George Mason team that earlier this year, people thought was going to be, you know, a pretty darn hot team. They started off four and oh, um, actually they started off five and zero, beat a university of Maryland team that now looks like it's in total disarray, but beat them at Xfinity center in college park. Uh, but after that went on a five game losing streak, um, they played Navy this past Tuesday. And despite the fact we got 21 points from John Carter on five of 10, three point shooting and 12 from Greg Summers and eight from my boy, Tyler Nelson, Navy, unfortunately dropped a 71 to 65. Uh, contest to George Mason. Um, so that win streak comes to a halt, but I agree with Mike Curie, as I know Chris does, that the team is definitely trending in the right direction. I do think that this George Mason team will be playing in March, despite the fact that their record is now just five and five. Uh, but Navy played them tight, could not close it down the stretch, and unfortunately came away with the L. But yet again, uh, another good tune up for. Um, for Patriot League season, which starts right as the calendar turns into 2022 on New Year's Day up in Worcester against Holy Cross. Um, That is about it in terms of results that we are going to get into this week. We've talked about the uniforms. We've talked about what the coaches have said during the week. We've heard about the pranks from not only West Point's failed kidnapping of our GOAT, which We've, we've left alone, but I'm going to call it out now. Like, come on, do the blocking and tackling right. Um, and we've also heard about the uh, pranks inside the hall from Alexa Riddle uh, from the women's soccer team. We are so excited. You know, although the week is coming to a close, uh, we have three great interviews for you today. Awesome interviews for you on Friday, which includes an interview with the first ever female aviator to select for the F-35C Lightning 
Uh, Suzel Thomas is going to join us. We're going to talk to Admiral Buck before the week is out and have some audio from Chris's favorite football player of all time, number 12 in your program, number one in your heart, Roger Staubach. So without any further ado, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our coaches segment with Alessandra Pedernana. If you haven't been able to tell, I just like saying that name. But we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have that inter- interview for you. This is Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. It is time for the coaches segment on this, our daily Army-Navy week pod, and we are so happy to be joined. It's about time, and and the old tennis player in me kind of hates myself for waiting this long, but we are we are getting into the sports that we haven't covered yet as part of the Sing Second Sports coverage of the physical mission, and we are so happy to be joined by Ali Pedernana. Do I, did I say that right? Pedernana. That's really, really close. I Petern- applaud you for, for making that effort. <laughs> Pedernana. Yes, sir. Got it. We are joined by Ali Pedernana of the Women's Tennis Program. She is entering her 14th season as an assistant coach with the team here in the 21-22 season. And we are so happy to have her join us to talk a little bit about what it has been like for the women's tennis program here of late. Allie, number one, thank you so much for uh, for being here. And number two, walk us through how the season's gone. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, the season's been great. We actually just finished our last practice yesterday for the fall season. Um, we were able to have our full, you know, fall tournament schedule. So it's a lot more individual results in the fall. Um, all the tournaments are, are a draw. So it's kind of, you move forward as you win the rounds and then you go into a back draw when you lose, um, their singles and doubles components. So we played five tournaments, um, had a lot of really good results. And honestly, it was great, especially for our younger players to actually have, competition and, and see what college tennis is all about. Um, just because last year we were able to play some, but we weren't able to play our full schedule. So um, I think just, like I said, that that competition factor and, and getting those reps for, especially for the younger players was huge for us. So walk me through how you talk to recruits about considering the U.S. Naval Academy. For us, it's all about the physical mission and that you know, upon the fields of friendly strife or sown the seeds of victory, you know, as you walk uh, recruits through the Barretts and, and the benefits of, of being in Annapolis, what, what do you always come back to? What's your sales pitch? Well, you know, we look at it as it's not the four years. What do you see yourself, you know, doing in, for your next 40 years? And obviously for recruits, it's they're living in the moment. It's hard to see way ahead. But I think just the opportunities, right, that the Naval Academy um, brings, you know, with our ladies, they get to meet them, um, get to see what their days are, day, days in and out, um, you know, their, their future leaders. And I think people have this perception of the Naval Academy and especially like on the for the ladies, you know, recruits have this idea in their head of what they're going to be um, and how they're going to act. And then, you know, a lot of the that we hear sometimes, obviously, the Naval Academy is not for everyone. And that's that's totally fine. But the one major thing that we hear all the time is, oh my goodness, they're, they're totally normal. They're so fun and they're so nice. And, um, you know, everyone's helping one another. And that's the the one takeaway too that recruits see is the Naval Academy is all about the team and the people make it right. So um, it's nice to see the recruits when they take their visits, able to see that portion, but it's, what the Naval Academy as a whole offers, right? That the military side, the academic side, um, and that leadership opportunity that you're not going to get anywhere else. And of course, location. And I mean, our tennis program, um, like you said, we're going into our 14th year and it's, it's been getting better and better each year. So um, the ability to be on a, a competitive team and play a really 
hard division one schedule is also um, a selling factor, but at the end of the day, they're going to be here to be military leaders. And um, we don't hide that because that's what the Naval Academy is. And honestly, it's a, it's a great place. And our job is to, to show them what we have to offer. And then it's, it's their decision. Right. But I'm all in on it. So <laughs> I, I know that they get a great experience while they're here for sure. So you and Keith are, are two of the longest tenured coaches uh, on the staff. You've been here for a long time. You know, what are some of your you know, more treasured memories of the Army Navy game? Have you been able to to attend a good amount of them? You know, in this particular case, I know you're a Queens native. It's going to be up there in New York. Are you going to are you going to make the trek up near home to attend this game? So I'm actually not going to go this year, unfortunately, um, but I am from Queens and with it being the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I was a senior in high school um, that year. So, and I'm a, uh, I'm a Jets fan. I mean, some people won't admit that, but I'm a, I'm a big Jets fan and for it to be held there is going to be really special. Um, I've been to nine army Navy games already. Um, I absolutely love it. It's, I mean, it's a bucket list. If anyone has never been, you have to go. Um, everything that it stands for, you know, just to see the the mids cadets and just, you know, everybody wants to win this game, of course, and then just the respect off the field afterwards. Um, but I, yeah, there's nothing like Army Navy and I love sports. I love all sports. So I, I try to go every single year that I can. But unfortunately, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not going to be able to make it for this one. So what's your prediction for this year? I think it's going to be um, 27-21, of course. Army? Maybe. Oh. No, no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah, before I let you go, uh, you know, after, you know, a little sojourn here over the winter, um, you know, the tennis season kicks back off on January 22nd against St. Francis here in Annapolis. What, what, are your, what is your outlook for when um, that season starts? And, you know, who should we keep our eye on? Um, as one of the players that, um, you know, that might, you know, get in the win column a bunch. So it's interesting because we do a lot of double headers. Um, we have a, a team of 12 ladies and we do a lot of double headers so everybody can compete, especially February through March. Um, and then once conference play starts, you can only play uh, but so many people. However, um, we have a strong like senior led class that have started uh, the first three years and expect the same from them. Uh, moving forward, we have a newcomer that had a really, really nice fall and Emily Tannenbaum. Um, she's from Comac, New York. We finished our last practice, like I had mentioned, and, and they have to do work, right, this offseason and at home and, and still come back, you know, ready to go. But I'm looking forward to the returners and then just um, people that did not, you know, get a chance necessarily to start you know, towards the end of last year and what, you know, the experiences that they got out of it last year and, and coming stronger um, in the spring. So I think it's going to be honestly a really interesting um, spring season. It's our hardest schedule yet and want to see who steps up, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to uh, playing that full doubleheader um, slate. And, you know, at the end of the day, when conference comes, we're ready to roll. Obviously want to beat Army beat Boston. We want to beat everybody. So I'm looking forward to, to just getting started and, and seeing what we can do this year for sure. Well, we're uh, looking forward to rooting for you. Uh, Allie, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Um, and yeah, here's the beating, uh, army 27, 21. I'm going to hold you to it. For sure. We got this. <laughs> Thanks for having All me right. on John. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Alessandra. Pedernana of the women's tennis team. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our next interview. This is Six Second Sports. For the last several podcasts, you've heard our guests talk about the great new Army-Navy uniforms that just came out. Well, all the latest Navy Under Armour sideline gear is available by clicking on the shop tab at NavySports.com. All of your favorite jerseys, polos, and t-shirts, and the new Army-Navy merchandise is just a click away at NavySports.com. And if you're like the Sing Second team, there's always Navy gear and Navy tickets under the tree this time of year. Visit NavySports.com backslash tickets to purchase your Navy basketball tickets today. They make the perfect Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, you name it, they make the perfect gift for any Navy fan. Now back to the pod. All right, hey, hey, welcome back to Sing Second Sports. On this, our daily pod extravaganza during Army Week. And 
You know what? I know the Army Navy th game is kind of a big deal. Um, check your memo for the uh, check your inbox for the memo. Uh, but you know, I don't know about any of the other teams on campus. But one of them won a national title this past week, and we are so happy to be talking to the coach of the women's rugby squad, Murph McCarthy. Murph, a proud member of the class of Ot Ot, um, and you know the the coach of this you know, fantastic team that beat Davenport um, 20 to 12 down there in Charlotte. Murph, without any further ado, number one, congratulations on bringing home a national title to Annapolis. And number two, walk us through how the game went down. We talked to you beforehand. You, you were giving us some tips on what you kind of expected to happen. How did it unfold? Was it close? And what was the feeling of victory like? Uh, first of all, thank you. Um, we kind of had a plan, you know, if you, if you go through all this stuff, you talk about a practice, uh, you know, I could rattle through all the, uh, fundamentals and the strategy, uh, but most people don't know much about rugby. So it'd be a bunch of noise, but going into the game, we simplified it. We said, we want to go down there, go make some tackles. This is our ball, not yours and bring it home. And, uh, the girls did exactly that. Um, they just kept coming. They made a ton of tackles. Uh, they kept coming up in defense, and it was distracting uh, and unnerving for Davenport. They have a high-powered attack, and attack is the fancy word they use in rugby for offense. Leading up to our match, the two quarterfinals matches, they scored 70 points, 70, in both matches. And most of their matches this season, and they play in the Big Ten, by the way, they scored 50, 60, and 70 points. So high-powered offense. But uh, what we do at Navy is we play defense. Like, we like to tackle, and uh, we like to contest for the ball. So the plan was go make a bunch of tackles, kind of keep them off guard. And uh, tackling is exhausting. And once they had to tackle us for a prolonged period of time in the first half, and especially – in the second half, it started to wear on them. Now, they they struck first. Um, we knew their back three, which is their two wings and the fullback, were fast. Um, but the first two times they got the ball, I think everybody was like, uh-oh, because uh, they had some big strikes, uh, and they scored on us first. Um, and it didn't look like we had a good chance of catching them at any time uh, on two or three of the first couple strikes. But uh, we kind of buckled down um on defense and didn't let them get the ball as much and when we did um one of our second class uh Oniski, Anna Oslowski she came up and kind of rang the bell of one of their wings not once not twice but about four times and then the ball started popping out everywhere uh and it was awesome so uh we were 15 to 12 at halftime so a little back and forth uh we couldn't figure out how to kick a conversion uh so we were doing it the hard way um, then at halftime, you know, I, I basically said to the girls, I'm like, this is 40 minutes away from making this happen. Like, if you keep doing what you're doing for the next 40 minutes, like you can start to feel that they're, they're starting to get, they're starting to get tired. They're starting to get like overall fatigue, starting to get a little chippy. Uh, this is right where we want them. And they, in the second half, they came out and played even tougher. Um, and we got another try and ended up winning. Uh, 20 to 12. It was uh, overall, you know, a great team effort. But Sarah Skinner, as usual, uh, our captain and our road scholar, by the way, uh, she was making tackles. She was taking the ball uh, in past through the game line up to, uh, you know, the fullback who had to make tackles. Uh, Amy Delsimer, also really strong on defense, also had uh, – umpteen carries uh, for good yards and they and they protected the ball uh, and we managed to have most of the possession in the second half and it was just awesome and uh, you know with like five minutes to go I'm kind of looking at looking at the way we're playing and looking at the clock and I'm thinking I, th I think this is gonna happen and they could smell it too like it was just it was it was in the air uh, and then when they blew it dead uh, you know, the mids went running across the field and attacked uh, the team on the field, and it, it was amazing. Um, you know, we ran up to the um, the stadium bleachers and, and sang blue and gold, and uh, I will say there was 
not a dry eye in the house. Like it was an amazing moment uh, for the team and the program uh, all on a Saturday night in Charlotte, North Carolina. I, I will, I will never forget it. It was, it was amazing. That I mean, well, Murphy kind of took my, my next question away from me, but we had talked a little bit, you know, on the bus ride down when you're uh, on your way to Charlotte for this national title game about, you know, what the physical mission has, you know, given, you know, these athletes that you're coaching and you're talking about, you know, Sarah Skinner's a road scholar, you know, and we were talking to Justin Free, um, you know, the class of 06 who talked about, hey, he was an intramural warrior, but eventually went into the SEAL teams. Um, you know, a lot of focus happens on this podcast on the D1 sports, on football, on basketball, but the reason we did this podcast is we wanted to talk about what the intramural warriors go through, what the club sports go through. You know, for you, not just winning the national title, but what what lessons are they learning out there? You know, being a part of a team that includes a road scholar, being a part of a team that's going down there and playing in a national title game. Are are these lessons from the physical mission? Are are they the ones that you know are are, are truly the special ones that get them to where they want to be after the academy? Oh, I I you know I think every coach will tell you that has some success in the postseason will you know point to the the hard work that left up led up to the culmination the championship. But if you do the math, this trail goes back pretty far because. We didn't get to compete in the playoffs last year. And last year uh, was the first time that the women's team got their own weight room time in the morning over at McDee. So, you know, I could point all the way back to last year and we were practicing in pods. You know, they had to be in six small groups spread out everywhere uh, and going through uh, fundamentals and, and building up to playing as a team and then getting up early. Uh, lifting those weights. And, you know, we, we couldn't start fast. We had to teach them how to properly lift weights because uh, they had never been, had the luxury of being in a team environment and lifting weights before. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, there's bumps, there's bruises, there's injuries. Uh, you know, getting stronger means you're going to be sore for the next couple of days walking around the yard with that backpack going to class. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're paying all kinds of dues. And the... Coming back from injuries, whether they be, you know, ankles, uh, worst case scenario, um, you know, surgeries and concussions, you know, working to get back. That's also uh, great learning points. But, you know, I was I've, I've only watched the, the film about four or five times uh, since we got back, by the way. And uh, one of the things <laughs> with, with the way we. Uh, with the way we got, we only got like a screen capture of it. So we don't have the sound of the commentators. Uh, and when that resurfaces, uh, I'm going to watch that too. Cause I heard, uh, the commentators were just, you know, bloodthirsty thought Davenport was going to win this thing by a long shot. Cause that's what they did to everybody, but they were very impressed with the way, uh, our girls played and how disciplined they were. And, you know, I'm watching this silent movie and they're going into like, the sixth scrum down in like seven minutes and their scrum, their pack, their forwards were way bigger than ours, way bigger. And it, the look on their faces, it's all business. Like they are there to win. I mean, they're just, and you know, Sarah's got this thing where she kind of looks a little bit buggered. Like she's, she's tired, but that's kind of her shtick. You know, she, she looks exhausted and then picks the ball off the scrum and then goes and runs two people over and her teammates come punish whoever it was, the tackler. Um, it, you know, they, they were very mission oriented. There was no time for rah, rah. And every time the, the ball kind of bounced the wrong way and it kind of went into Davenport's favor and it was an, an error on our part, they didn't miss a beat. Nobody got down. They're like, all right, let's do this. You know, next play. Here we go. Um, yeah. So, it's been a you know two year battle of, of perseverance to get here, and uh, you know we've got a, a a pretty good sized team, and this was a hard twenty three to pick because you know it's, it's kind of like soccer where you can only have so many people dressed and ready to play and so many subs on that day, and there was there was five or six extras that were in the mix to play in a D one final, to where you know towards the end of the season you know, you're saying things to yourself like you know. 
I can't play with the team uh, that I'd like to have. I have to play with the team that I have. Well, we, we had kind of the luxury where we had, you know, some options uh, right up until the last second. So it was great. And this, you know, it's been very mental, but like the physical part of this uh, has been something fun to watch. I mean, you know, if you, if you get a chance and when the, when the broadcast resurfaces with the commentators on there, I'll float it to you, John, because uh, <laughs> it was really fun to watch. And the, and the comments from everybody around were like, those broadcasters were so surprised about how well Navy was playing against such a good team. Um, you know, it was, it was neat. You know, that was, the, that was the plan uh, to go in there and play the game like that. And we executed it. And when that fell one off, it was amazing. And now those athletes can say that they're national champions. Um, you know, question, you know, just because it's not a sport that a lot of people are following and we're trying to fix that. Did you play army this year? We have not played Army uh, yet this year, but uh, funny you should say that. I got a congratulatory um, email from uh, Bill Leclerc up at Army. Him, him and I chat all the time. Uh, good, good rugby guy, good human. Um, he, he was as excited for us to go down there and play as we were, I think. And he sent me a nice note, CC'd the whole Army team. But yeah, we've, we've got two prospective dates already. I think we're talking 26 March or 2 April. Uh, already and uh, allegedly there's going to be some people uh, jumping out of airplanes to land on the field right before the game. Ooh, I like that. Now I, this might be sacrilege, but you know, you didn't, you didn't get to play army in the, uh, in the fall, but you won a national title. So shouldn't you guys be able to like go into T court during the bell ringing and like ring the bell like 20 times for, for a national title. <laughs> that, 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 that would be nice. Uh, you know, we're slowly figuring our way into the, uh, the traditions of the varsity clubs, because I, I don't know if you, uh, if you got the memo, but we are on a path to varsity and uh, we had a big, uh, big banquet, um, in September and our athletic director, Jack Gladchuk announced that we have a fundraising goal, which we are very close to. And if we hit that, we are a varsity team, uh, the next fall. So we, uh, we are in the mix to be ringing that bell fairly soon. It's pretty exciting. We can't wait. We were talking a little bit to Julie Alfieri about that when she was going into the Hall of Fame back then in the fall. Um, I think that would be a great thing. I mean, what better justification than going down and winning a national title? Yeah, I think we're pretty good for a varsity sport. Um, here's this national title I'm carrying around with me in the back of my car. Let's quickly go to Army-Navy. Um, what is your most cherished memory of the game other than, you know, what most people say, which is wondering whether you're going to lose a limb to frostbite. Right. Uh, I was thinking about this and, uh, as, as I've mentioned to you before, I was a, uh, I was a contributing member, uh, to the Navy football team in the, uh, late nineties. I played at naps and then I played, uh, plebe and youngster year and, uh, they had a, a linebackers coach, and his name was uh, Tommy Ray, and he's from Georgia. He's a fascinating creature. Um, he uh, he actually went to go commission in the Army to be an airborne ranger like his dad and his granddad, and he was colorblind. And they said, sorry, you can't do this. And he's like, well, can I enlist to be an airborne ranger? And they said, yeah. And that that was our linebacker coach, like the guy. <laughs> he was off the charts. And uh, he used to call me Hook. Because uh, he played high school ball with some guy named Hook McCarthy, and this other guy whose name was Daniel Matt Daniel, he always called him Dano. So he's like, Dano Hook, get over here. So we go running all the way across the practice field, go up there, and this was him telling us, you know, whether or not we were going to be dressing for the Army Navy game. And he goes, I'm supposed to pick between the two of you. I'm dressing out for Army Navy, and uh, Coach B's dressing out. 12 quarterbacks. That's why I got to pick between one of you. Well, I'm not doing it. Neither one of you are dressing. Got it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we jogged off. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. Uh, so, like, what was your march on like then? Uh, the march on, I remember, you know, being, you know, kind of like a big gaggle rolling in there, but everybody going nuts. Uh, you know, <laughs> As, as, as a, a prior enlisted Marine, I always thought the trail could have been a little bit better, but you would have thought we were the Rolling Stones as we uh, 
broke the threshold of that stadium. Everybody's screaming and yelling. Uh, it was it was awesome experience uh, because, you know, I didn't get to march in every time because I was usually, you know, playing rugby after that or something else. But, yeah, that was uh, amazing. And uh, I was also there for the first time they did that uh, that chant, I believe that we will win. And that started out, I thought it was going to be terrible, you know, because they <laughs> all made us get quiet. And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and he started doing that. Ah! And then everybody's like, ah! And he's like, I believe. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is catching on. And then when the whole section erupted and that, I believe that we will win. I was like, holy smokes, this is amazing. I think we're actually going to win this thing. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, we pulled it out. Uh, Oh, that's just science. All right. Well, you know, speaking of science, my last question before I let you go, what's your prediction for Saturday? My prediction is we win by two points. I like it. I think Low it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a battle all the way to the end. Uh, high scoring affair. I think there's going to be some turnovers. Uh, I think Army's going to play protected, and we're going to pull one out. I'm fired up for the boys. All right, here we go. Let's beat Army, ladies and gentlemen. That was national champion coach Murph McCarthy of the class of 2000, and a good friend of the pod. Um, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we will. Have our next guest. This is Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our Army Week sponsors, Academy Consulting, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar, the Montana 3000 Podcast, Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, the Graduate Hotel in Annapolis, and Allegiance Flag Supply. Please visit our sponsors either in person or on the web. And a special thank you for all of their support during this great week and throughout the fall sports season. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Thank you for sticking with us during our daily Army Week pod extravaganza. Um, On this particular pod, it was so great to hear from our guests and hear about the game. But we have to end um, on a a very somber note um, in that in case you did not hear this past weekend, there was an accident uh, at SEAL Team 8 and Commander Brian Bourgeois, uh, the commanding officer of SEAL Team 8, died on Tuesday after sustaining injuries during a training uh, exercise on Saturday. Um, Brian was a four-year member of the uh, Naval Academy Brotherhood um, of the football team here in three varsity letters. Um, On Saturday, the Navy football team will honor him uh, in several different ways. The team will run out with the SEAL teammate flag um, along with the traditional American Navy and Marine Corps flags. And then there will be a number 13 home blue jersey adorned with the two SEAL teammate patches, uh, the SEAL team that uh, Brian was the commanding officer of, uh, and it will be placed prominently on the Navy sideline, um, as well as uh, wide receivers Michael Salisbury and Jaden Umbarger uh, wearing the SEAL Team patches, uh, SEAL Team 8 patches that Brian actually gave to wide receivers coach Mike Yakitis earlier this year. Um, we are very happy to be joined uh, by Brian Broadwater, who just got back to the Naval Academy November 15th, replacing my good friend Mike Riggins uh, as the military deputy to check Gladchuck there in Ricketts Hall. Um, a fellow classmate of Brian's, a fellow member of the Brotherhood with Brian. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll put it out there, Broads. Um, this is an extremely um, just just sad time uh, for the Brotherhood, for you, for everyone who knew Brian. Uh, walk, us, walk us through your thoughts right now. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. You know, this is a great opportunity to uh, continue to communicate the, the type of person that, you know, that Brian Bourgeois, uh, was, you know, our, our lives have overlapped many times since I initially, you know, met him as a plebe freshman in, uh, in 1997. Um, you know, we shared lockers next to each other. He was number 13. I was number 14. So for three years and while you're in the same class, you know, we spent, we spent a lot of time together and then subsequent upon graduation, you know, I've had an opportunity to, um, to spend a lot of time with, uh, with Brian over the years, you know, his wife, Megan, you know, their five children being able to be there for births, birthdays, um, and spending a lot of time with them. Um, and then subsequently my family has not, has gotten really close to, uh, to Brian, to Megan, uh, and, and their kids. So, 
you know, right now is just a, it's a very sad time for the bourgeois family. It's a very sad time for the Naval Academy, you know, class of 2001 uh, and the, the Navy football brotherhood. Um, you know, when, when you look at Bouge, um, he's got a great personality, a great engaging smile. I mean, that picture that captures him and his command uh, photo there just illustrates uh, the type of person engaging guy that he is. He is not unassuming, but if, if you walk in the room and I had the opportunity to visit him and his team at SEAL Team 8 in, uh, in Little Creek um, during a professional development exercise a year ago, and he's the type of guy that when you walk in, you, you can't tell who the CO is or who he is compared uh, to, uh, to some of his troop commanders, troop chiefs, just because he, he fits in the room. He makes everyone feel welcome. Everyone knows he's in charge, but he's not a person that leads like, hey, you need to you need to look and you need to follow me. You know, everyone followed him um, and he is the highest quality of, you know, being a servant leader. Uh, and for myself, I mean, this is just it's been a tough week. Um, I, I had the opportunity to uh, to be at the hospital on Sunday, have an opportunity to to, to see Megan. Uh, there at the hospital. I didn't have a chance to see Brian. He's kind of going in and out of OR in different places. But um, when I left uh, the, the hospital on Sunday, I kind of had a certain expectation in my head. Um, and subsequently, you know, you know, the internal injuries were, were too much for him and, and, and finally succumbed early Tuesday morning. So, you know, when I look at him as, as a man, a husband, a father, son, and a teammate, he's someone that I've always looked up to. And, you know, our families are are very much in the, in mourning right now. Well, our, our thoughts and, and prayers are with you, Brian, and, and with uh, Bouge's family as well. Um, I, I, yeah, I have no other words, Wags. Well, am I correct to, to, uh, to understand that Brian was just here in Annapolis for the East Carolina game because it was the reunion for your class? Yeah, Bill, it's a great question. Uh, he was the Cincinnati game um, was the 20th reunion for uh, for the class of 2001. And, you know, typically I don't know what the exact number we graduated 950 to, to 1000 is is typically what you look at. But the turnout from what I've heard was more than 50 percent of the class was there, which kind of is, a, is an astounding mark when, when you look to see typically the 25th. Uh, anniversary is uh, where's where most most folks come back, but the 20th year there was uh, there was a lot of folks that were there. I unfortunately was uh, was on detachment. Um, my previous job was the commanding officer of BFA 103, a two seat F 18 squadron out of uh, out of Oceana in Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, the Jolly Rogers, and we were out on detachment at NAS Fallon going through an advanced readiness program, and so I missed the. I missed the reunion, but he was just in town, uh, you know, back in uh, at the end of October, had, a, had an opportunity for him uh, and his wife and family to, you know, meet a lot of folks that haven't haven't that he hasn't seen uh, for since graduation and some that our lives have overlapped many, many a time. So it was a great opportunity for a lot of folks to be there, a lot of overlap, a, a great attendance. Um, and while, you know, my family and I was not there, heard it was a it was a great outing a great opportunity to to folks to kind of kind of catch up and um i think one one aspect of that is important to understand with brian is i mean his capacity and bandwidth to constantly keep in communication with folks across the board over the years has been has been outstanding whether it's teammates on the football field whether it's folks within the uh, the nsw community um, whether it's folks here at at navy football and you know since i've gotten here back in the building at NAAA, um, you know, about just within the last three weeks or so, you know, Brian's been in communication with Strauss and, uh, and Stacy amongst the SID folks. He's been in communication with, with Brian Blick, the football operations and directly with, uh, with coach Neomont. So, you know, he's just the kind of guy that has the ability over time to keep those relationships strong and reach out and just a little note here, there, Hey coach, think about you guys, you know, keep at it, keep going strong. And I know he's also developed a strong relationship with uh, with Coach Yakitis. So, you know, when we look at him, uh, his uh, active presence within the NSW community, with Navy football, the class of 2001, and then here in Ricketts and in, in, in AAA, you know, that that's what makes this very troubling because, I mean, everyone is mourning at this point and, and he has been an actively present guy uh, across the board for for years. 
Well, I'm going to read a tweet from Bobby Jones, who played football at Navy with you all, and he posted this. You're one of the greatest men I have ever known. You always looked out for me, for me from 18 years old on the football field to my recent deployment in command. Shipmate, classmate, teammate, and brother, a warrior with a heart you will be missed but never forgotten. Pretty, pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And especially, you know, the quality person that, uh, you know, Bobby Rashad, uh, you know, is ha having an opportunity for um, special missions command uh, deployment out on the you know, pointy end of the, the spear there. And I think that's, you know, one thing as I'm kind of back in the, the Annapolis area um, and the network and the connections are here is, is there the amount of amazing folks uh, that the Naval Academy, that NAAA, uh, that our class, you know, I feel very lucky to be included in, in, in part of that. And the words of Bobby, um, as well as many other folks that, you know, really since Sunday afternoon, our class, uh, and then plus or minus, you know, five to 10 years of, uh, of the Navy football brotherhood, we've banded together, we've been direct communication every single day. Um, and for the, the words that come from, you know, Bobby to provide that, uh, is is spot on, and I've heard and talked specifically with, you know, Frank Shank, the uh, the president of Navy Football Brotherhood. You know, Clint Roost uh, chatted with him within the last few days. Brian Dressler, um, you know, out, out of the West Coast, uh, as well as you know, countless amount of folks. Right now, we have a, um, a communication chain and link going of up to now seventy five people, uh, and really everyone is banding together to find his way. How can we help properly memorialize Brian? And then how can we specifically help out the family? Um, and I know there are some fundraising links that are out there. Um, and, you know, for, for us, you know, our goal is to see what we can do in a short-term initiative right now to provide that type of support. Um, and I know the folks here uh, with you guys at, uh, you know, SingSec can ha have those and, and we'll put those out. But, um, you know, All In, All the Time Foundation was created by the Navy Special Warfare uh, local spouses down in the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Norfolk area. Uh, additionally, the Navy Football Brotherhood, we put a Facebook link out there where all proceeds are going directly to the bourgeois family. Uh, it's great to see the amount of outpouring support for uh, Brian, Megan, and the, uh, and the family. And, you know, they're, they're going to have a long road uh, as we all mourn through this and, and, and help them as we, as we move on, not from Brian, but with Brian, just not with us in the uh, in the physical sense. So, if there is an opportunity, folks are interested to uh, to provide uh, that type of financial support in the short term for the family. Um, you know, they, the family would graciously appreciate those uh, those donations. Well, and John Schofield will read those links at the end of our uh, session here. And I can tell you, the Sing Second Sports t Podcast team has already made a donation and honored to do so for a great warrior. Um, you know, you all played before I came on the beat. I joined uh, the Navy football beat in 2001, the final year for Coach Weatherby. Um, Brian's last season was 2000. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the type of football player Brian was? I know he's a safety and special teams warrior, but uh, what's uh, your recollection of him as a football player and did the way he played football, the way he approached the game, bode to you that he could be a special warfare officer? Oh, for sure. You know, uh, you know, Brian's personality, his build, his physical attributes, but then more importantly, his leadership. And that's the important aspect that I think the Naval Academy football, the physical mission that, you know, that is very important here at Navy. It's not just academically, it's not just morally, but it's the physical mission and the lessons that we learn on the field. And Brian was amazing and outstanding as a peer leader with, uh, within the group. You know, grew up in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, went to high school uh, outside Katy, Texas, uh, and came in here direct. You know, he was a multi-sport athlete, played baseball and football, and it was clear in our freshman year on scout team that, you know, he had a lot of talent. He had a lot of abilities. Uh, and then as we moved our way, you know, kind of up the depth chart into sophomore, junior, and senior years, you know, the Mad Hatters was one of the, uh, the kind of nicknames we had for the special team groups. And, and, and that was him from, uh, from the very get-go. So um, he was definitely, you know, a uh, providing support uh, in the secondary as a safety. But he was one of those guys who was on every single special team, regardless what it is. And while he was not 
the largest or the tallest person that was out there in the field. I mean, he had, he had amazing amount of, of physical strength, athletic ability. Um, and it was his motivation and hard work that it was clear from the very get go. You know, he initially service selected with, uh, uh, with surface warfare. He went down to minesweeper, uh, down in Texas, but, uh, NSW community was always something that he had strived to, to go after. It is something that we saw as his participation, the seal screener. And he was just kind of guy, a good old country boy from Louisiana that loved that rugged outdoor type of, uh, um, personality, you know, required, uh, for the NSW community. And we were very happy that, that he picked up an opportunity to, um, to head out to San Diego, picked up a bud spot. And it was clear at that point that, um, that he was going to do extremely well. And then through his operational career, you know, supporting multiple units on the East Coast, West Coast, as well as SOCOM uh, down in Tampa um, with a master's degree out there in Monterey in between. I mean, you know, he has excelled uh, in his leadership. He's excelled um, in his ability to lead, manage, and create a culture uh, of excellence. And that's something that I saw when I had the opportunity to visit with him about a, about a year ago with his team. His team loves him, um, but again, he is, like I said, a, a servant leader and a great guy. And the attributes that we saw from him on the football field in the late 90s in the, uh, in the Weatherby era, I mean, it was clear that he had the ability uh, to, you know, to perform in the NSW community. Uh, and, and obviously, he has done extremely well to, to screen for command and to be one of the few commanding officers of an active duty steel team. And last for me, before I throw it back to John, but um, I heard something, and I don't know if it's true, perhaps you can clarify, but obviously they're doing these special remembrances of him at the game, which I think is wonderful that Navy football sprung into action and immediately found ways to recognize and honor Brian as part of the Army-Navy game. I'm guessing that he was based out of Virginia Beach, Norfolk area here in the recent years. And then is, do you know, is his wife and children, widow and children, going to be able to attend the Army-Navy game to see these um, poignant tributes to their, to their husband and father? Yeah, Bill, that's a, uh, that's a great question. Um, and the answer to that to ultimately is yes. Um, you know, as, as like we talked about, you know, things have gone unexpected this week. Um, and I think part of the memorializing Brian, I know the game is up in New York, New Jersey. Uh, I was at the media day luncheon last week and, um, and the focus is on 9-11 and the service members that we've lost that day. And then subsequently, uh, you know, the, uh, the war on counterterrorism, which has continued over, uh, over the years. Um, we, we found an opportunity where a lot of folks have contributed um, through uh, the Navy SEAL Foundation, as well as folks within the Navy Football Brotherhood. Um, all the resourcing has come together and we are going to be able to, to bring the family up. So um, Megan, uh, their children, um, his parents, uh, his brother and sister and their families who are in town uh, are all going to be able to, to attend there at the game uh, on Saturday. You know, the, the way that we're going to memorialize Brian, which will be one thing that kind of fits in, that'll be one necessary, but two appropriate. Uh, is you know running a SEAL Team Eight flag that's going to come out with uh, the three other flags when the uh, when the team runs out. Uh, we're going to have two players wearing SEAL Team Eight uh, patches. Additionally, we're going to have a navy blue standard uh, number thirteen jersey on the sideline with a SEAL Team Eight patches on each side. There's going to be a gold helmet there as well, uh, placed on the sideline uh, in memorialization of uh, of Brian. Uh, and additionally, uh, informal reports are that the army unit. And you talk about what's great about the relationships we have about army and Navy is the army unit that's providing the flyover. It's going to hang a seal teammate fly flag as they fly over again. That's unofficial. Um, so as you know, don't quote me on that, but keep a look uh, for that. Um, but again, these are, these are small little things that we can do to help memorialize for the family. And I think for them to be there, to see that and understand the role that Brian's played in our life within the NSW community and the Navy football community, I think it'll be a great opportunity for them to see that um, and, and, uh, and understand how important that he was, not just his best friends, his close family, but the, uh, the outreaching uh, communities that are here. 
Well, Brian, um, uh, there are really no other words other than to say that it's incredibly sad. Um, our hearts go out to uh, Brian's family, to you. Uh, Stacy Michaud this week, I know, had a very tough time with this. Um, we got a note um, just today uh, from a really good friend of ours, Justin Cole, who we spent some time with um, at the 01 reunion uh, during the Cincinnati game. Um, and uh, Justin said, the news about Brian hits really hard. He was my company mate and classmate, and we roomed together over the summers a couple of times, as good a guy as they come. Um, to hear what uh, Brian Broadwater just said about what's going to happen at the game tells me everything I need to know uh, when we continue to have this argument about what makes the Army-Navy game and the Army-Navy rivalry special. And so we implore everyone uh, listening to this podcast to keep this family in your thoughts. We're going to post on our page, um, the all in all the time, A-I-A-T-T -T, um, link, um, as well as the Facebook page, um, you know, for you to go and, and make a donation directly to this family. Um, you know, I know there's some GoFundMe stuff out there too, and I'm, and we're not dispelling that, but these proceeds go directly to the family, a hundred percent to the family and started by, um, you know, his, his, his brothers from the football brotherhood and from the seal teams as well. So please keep, um, please keep him in your thoughts and remember him on Saturday um, and going forward. And uh, Brian Broadwater, I just really appreciate your time and uh, whatever you need from the sing second sports podcast you have. No, I appreciate the opportunity to come out here today. And, and like you said, you know, there's a GoFundMe page that was set up by uh, the president or senior leadership of uh, a Chesapeake soccer down in, uh, in Virginia. Uh, they're very close as, uh, as Brian's second youngest uh, is an active member within that community. So there's all great fundraising outlets out there. You know, we're just looking to do what we can to, uh, to support the family. Um, but Bill, thank you for, uh, for help coordinating this. John and Chris, it's been great to have me on here. I'm happy to come back anytime. Um, you know, obviously this is not necessarily something that, uh, you know, wish we could be speaking under different terms, but uh, just honored and privileged to have an opportunity to talk on, on Brian and his family's behalf. And thank you for doing that, Brian. Um, for Brian Bourgeois, this uh, podcast is dedicated. Uh, please keep him in your thoughts. Rest easy, brother. We are out.